All right, uh, in this next section, we're going to be talking about uh, million-dollar mistakes um, by family offices. Most of these mistakes could also easily be made by private investors, or if you're on the investment management side, uh, there may be mistakes that you're making as well there. The other way to look at this is how to add value to investors you're working with, um, if you can help prevent them from making these types of mistakes. Okay, diversification of direct investments is a big mistake. So a lot of people in wealth management are just taught all the time, diversify, diversify, diversify. We're going to go over in a few minutes how direct investments is different than wealth management, uh, which is different than managing your own operating business. Those are three different things that you need to be managed and treated differently. And there's good to, it's good to have diversification overall in your portfolio. Um, I'm definitely a proponent for that. When it comes to direct investments, typically, you want to have a different type of diversification. We're going to get into what's appropriate uh, potentially for you or with different ways of thinking about that um, in a couple of minutes here. But lots of uh, family offices think, oh, we're getting diversification by investing in a whole bunch of angel investments or startups. And they're all high-risk investments because they haven't been around long enough to know, oh, you could invest directly uh, instead of investing in something that's in the stock market, but you can invest in a company that has $5 million a year in profits or $10 million EBITDA or something that has collateral behind it and gives you a, a good interest rate. Uh, return each year of 10%, et cetera. Um, and a lot of newly liquid families don't realize that. And they think they're getting diversification when they're really just uh, getting worse and worse at conducting their direct investments. You should be trusting a wealth advisor to get you mass diversification. And then usually you're running an operating business or two or three or a platform of operating businesses. And then direct investments, uh, maybe an in-between where you might use independent sponsors, go to direct to some deals, we always encourage people to do that in the area that they know best, that they have a outsized skill set in or distribution abilities or insights to protect their investments. And if uh, you go out and you make investments into senior care facilities and mobile apps and self-storage facilities and biotech companies, it's going to be very hard, even if you made your money in one of those areas, to be good at direct investing in all those areas. But if you said, even if your background is in manufacturing, you said the future is stem cells, so I want to invest a lot do direct investing in stem cells. That's where we're going to focus our direct investment portfolio or senior care or whatever it is. Even if you didn't make your money in that area, if you went to five conferences a year and read the industry magazines and looked at 50 deals a year in stem cells, within a year or two, you'd be able to at least separate the really bad apples from the average apples and start to move up that learning curve. But with direct investments where you're trying to take more control on what investments you pick and choose, you have to not diversify in this area, or you're trying to move up nine different learning curves, and there's so much to learn just about one industry, that you should leave the diversification game to the professionals and usually focus your direct investments on one or two areas where you know how to protect the downside, you know how to propel the upside, or at least you're moving up that learning curve of that industry in a more focused way. So this is something that um, is a big mistake of a lot of family offices, and they just um, go too deep into direct investments when they could have gotten the same type of average returns from a professional and in liquid assets, perhaps. Uh, investing immediately with no set strategy uh, is common for most everyone uh, who sells their company for 5, 10, 20, 50 million plus or goes public. Um, they start allocating without everything we talked about earlier, without a compass, without a plan, without their strike zone determined. Uh, and it's a very expensive mistake. We've seen uh, clients blow five and $10 million very quickly uh, from a hundred million plus exit by not having these plans in place. And they took 35 years to build that wealth. And now they just burned 10% of it right away in the first nine months or so. Lack of team integration is super common. What happens is the family maybe likes their privacy and travel and a higher family office team that's remote. 
um, or they have a family office team that's spread out uh, around the country and somebody will be tasked with a project, like go find some franchise businesses that we could buy or go find some medical spas we could acquire. And they go off and they're working on that for several months. And meanwhile, the principal has moved on, almost forgot about the project or they've changed their mind on it. That happens more often than you'd think in the family office space. And then all their work was wasted. So keeping in communication and keeping KPIs and kind of a rhythm to the team like you would in a company uh, is important. Uh, soon after becoming liquid, overspending as a percentage of their net worth is often common. Uh, I've had clients go on $3 million you know, vacations for a summer or just their, their, their burn rate's not sustainable. Even if they're worth um, you know, $150 million, the amount they're burning every month and enjoying their life is just going to make it so all their wealth gets drained you know, in just five to seven years. Um, and if you don't have someone watching that or counting that, then okay, maybe you want to go have your fun for one year to celebrate and go around the world doing everything you ever dreamed of. But um, you can't be doing that forever. You'll burn through all the money you got. Um, similar to how most people that win the lottery are worth less seven years later. Most people who are professional athletes are bankrupt and have no money uh, seven years after they're done playing. Uh, people that come into a lot of money very quickly and didn't build up wealth over time don't learn how to not lose more than you get or don't learn how to be a good steward of their own wealth. And so that's what happens sometimes. An example of that is a $20 million residence. Um, many times, when someone has a liquidity event, they said, oh, we're going to get that dream house now. It's going to be our forever house. It's going to be everything we ever, ever wanted. What happens over time is they actually might end up getting five to seven properties. And what, what they thought their dream house was is not anymore. And they got bored of it or the kids went to school somewhere else, et cetera. Um, and many times they'll buy the most expensive house in the neighborhood. Or we had one client who did so and then lifted up the house and rotated the whole 8,000 square foot house, 30 feet. So it had a better view of the sunrise. And when you buy a house top of the market, um, it might've been on the market for four, five, seven, eight years for someone like you buy and just buy it on a whim. But then when you go try to sell it, you might have to wait five, eight years and maybe no one will buy it at the price that you bought it at. You might have to discount it and eat a loss of a couple million dollars to get it off your balance sheet. Um, and that happens uh, a little bit more than you think. And that's why sometimes the really expensive houses take a long time to, to sell. Um, some solutions to lack of control because lack of control can be an issue for um, families that could it cost loss of capital and loss of money uh, would be to use sponsors, um, outsource CIOs, um, et cetera, so that you have the right type of control that you want for the right type of your portfolio. Your operating business, you want the most control, direct investments, less control. And when you diversify something with your wealth advisor or multifamily office, perhaps you tell them what industries you really like or that you love Costco or whatever stock, but then otherwise you let them do their thing and diversify. Um, you have to get that level of control right at each uh, part of your portfolio, uh, making sure you have clear communication guidelines with everyone in terms of what control you need uh, internally and um, use software and KPIs. We use um, Hubstaff um, so that people working remotely log in. It takes random screenshots of their screen while they're working. And we've done that for a decade before they were working virtually did it in our office as well. Um, and that way, if a salesperson's um, numbers fall way off, then we can log in and be like, oh, okay, they didn't make any phone calls. Maybe something's wrong. Maybe they're out sick, et cetera. Um, but if their email history shows no sent emails and there's no phone calls made and hub staff is show they're on eBay and Facebook all day, then it becomes more clear what's going on, right? So just kind of a, we don't have time to check it really, but if there's an issue with performance or someone showing up, then we can zero in and look and get transparency instantly versus just not wondering what someone's doing virtually. And while running a family office, that can really be helpful.